Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. Soap. How are you guys feeling? You guys doing okay? We are uh, on day three of the Daniel fast. I hope you guys are are doing all right. Them caffeine headaches are starting to subside a little bit. Um, that's right, Deb. That headache, whoo, you know, Monday was bad. You know, if you all know me, I drink my Bustelo every morning. Now I got tea, some bland tea. But you know what? It's all for a reason. Amen. You know, we're not just doing this just to make a statement that, hey, look what we're doing. Look at our sacrifice. We're we're trying to get closer to God. We're trying to hear from the Lord. And um, we're trying to make a little bit of a sacrifice um, for that. So um, keep pressing in, guys. I'm telling you, um, it's going to be so worth it at the end of this 21 days. Um, Like Pastor Brennan said, you know, during his message on Sunday, every year we've done this. corporately as a church even you know when you've had times of your own personal fasting you know you've always seen breakthrough you've always seen god move in some type of way in your life so keep pressing in i hope you guys braved the storm last night um it was wild over here in violin i got a gazebo in my backyard that me and my dad built and um pop i got some of the roof is missing now so we gotta we're gonna have to work on it this weekend but um but today today we are in daniel three um, continuing on the book of Daniel. So I'm going to pray and we're going to get into it because we have a whole lot to cover in this chapter. Oh, Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for this, this opportunity that we have to, to, to dig into your word, Lord God, and, and just learn more about you and learn about um, some more details about these three Hebrew, Hebrew boys who stood up for you, Father, in the face of a, of a, of a tyrant king, Lord. So Thank you for this opportunity. Be with us during this time. Speak to us, Lord. Reveal new things to us, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. <clears throat> All right. Daniel 3, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura and the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. 
So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 8, therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Forever, You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <clears throat> These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So that so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace and who is the god who will deliver you from my hands shadrach meshach and abednego answered and said to the king o nebuchadnezzar you have no need to answer you in this matter if that is the case our god whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand o king but if not let it be known to you o king that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up <clears throat> Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell, da fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Verse 26, <clears throat> Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on those on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made in an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon.
Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, it's there's the the word doesn't is never really clear how much time um, transpired between Daniel two and Daniel three, um, but we see um, that King Nebuchadnezzar he he made an entire statue of gold, um, and this the, the the reason for this was that um, to say that that his reign and authority would never end. You know, and 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 so he 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 had an everlasting rule, you know, and the image was more like an obelisk, which is you know like a like a, a big column, a pillar, um, ninety feet high, nine feet wide. Picture like the Washington Monument in D.C., just a a, a bit a big tall pillar, um, and and, and being so so large. Um, it's safe to say that it wasn't it wasn't made of solid gold that it was probably more a, a wood structure that was overlaid with gold um and this was a common method uh, of construction in in the ancient world <clears throat> it says he gathered together all the administrators and and leaders and the satraps <clears throat> the satrap is a persian word that that means protector of the of the realm and it's so, so it refers to a specific category of of public officials um so he he called them all together and 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 um, the demand that all come to the dedication ceremony means that that Nebuchadnezzar meant to use worship of this image as a test of allegiance, right? He wanted to really see who was who was for Nebuchadnezzar, you know. And if I do this, if I build this 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 big obelisk, this big statue, who's going to worship? Who's going to obey me? He says, whoever does not fall down and worship, verse 6, shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. That The command was, was backed by a powerful threat. Nebuchadnezzar saw the refusal to, to worship his image uh, as treason, not only as a, as a religious offense, but as a political offense. You know, you were, you were, you were being treasonous by not obeying his command. Nebuchadnezzar is just like many other politicians all throughout history who, who seem to, to, to use religion to strengthen their grip on political power. And we've seen that so many times throughout history. Politicians are happy to blend together spiritual um, allegiance and national allegiance. An example of this um, was displayed in 1936. Um, when the, the head of the youth program for Nazi Germany, he said, if we act as true Germans, we act according to the laws of God. Whoever serves Adolf Hitler, the Fuhrer, serves Germany, and whoever serves Germany serves God. Now, we know in history, the Germans, during that time, they were some pretty bad people, right? But they... The, the head of, of their youth program that, that indoctrinated the young people, you know, said if you by by serving Germany, serving Hitler, you're serving God. Right. And you want to be on the right side of God. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a way of manipulation. Another example is in 1960, uh, the president of Ghana had a had a, a large statue of himself um, built, a life-size statue, um, and erected in front of the, the National House of Parliament. And he wrote an inscription that said, Seek ye first the political kingdom, and all other things shall be added unto you. That sounds familiar, right? 
That's Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Right? He used uh, uh, religious words. He used the Bible and, and, and erected a statue of himself in order to control the people. You know, and that statue was eventually torn down a few years later during during a, a, a coup in that country. Um, it talks about the uh, uh, in this in verse six, uh, the burning fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar was not a man who allowed lawbreakers to go unpunished. There's an ancient writing. Um, it says that Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, was described as so devoted to justice that he did not rest day or night. If you committed a crime, if you violated one of his laws, you were going to be punished, period. And even for the simple, you know, like, you know, secondary crimes, you would be punished. Um, and, and it says, uh, fell down and worshiped. Um, when it said, verse seven, all people heard the sound, they fell down and worshiped the golden image. This literally reads um, in the original language, as soon as they were hearing, they were falling down. As soon as they heard the trumpets and the, the harps and the, the flutes, they fell down and worshiped. This was this was total, this was immediate obedience to the command of King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 8 says, certain Chaldeans um, came forward and accused the Jews. These Chaldeans had an obvious political motivation against the Jews who, who had been promoted high, you know, along with Daniel, you know, uh, and the events, you know, were recorded in, in, in chapter two. Remember, you know, and, and, and Daniel and and the the boys they had just been taken captive into Babylon, and and they just they they said, let us eat our own food. Let's not eat your choice foods, which is why we're in the Daniel fast, right? Eating the 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 good foods, not the not the nasty foods of Babylon, right? And so as a result, at the end of that, they came forward. They saw that the Jewish boys looked healthier. You know, they look stronger. And so they were promoted quickly. These Chaldeans, they didn't like that. That was a threat to them. They perceived them as a threat. So these Chaldeans, they they go to King Nebuchadnezzar and they say in verse 12, they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image. Apparently, the, the, their failure to, to, to worship the image was not discovered until these Chaldeans had made it known. Right until they said something, until they opened up their mouth, right, and until they opened up their mouth, no one really knew what was going on because with so many thousands of government officials, it would be it would be easy to overlook three Hebrew boys who weren't obeying. Additionally, we see from this that that these Jewish boys did not large a formal protest; they simply refrained from from sharing in the sin of idolatry. Right. They didn't when the command came, you you worship this. They didn't they didn't make a big old deal. They didn't, you know, they weren't outside, you know, picket lines with their signs like, you know, we won't, we're not gonna do this. They just simply didn't do it. Like, we're not gonna worship this idol. Their actions were not public, but they also weren't hidden. All right. These the the these these boys, they must have known what was gonna happen to them if they were discovered, yet they obeyed God. They obeyed God regardless. They obeyed God despite the threat. They obeyed God despite, no doubt, the fear that they felt. But they feared God more than they feared King Nebuchadnezzar, right? They feared God more than they feared the government. 
And too often times, my brothers and sisters, we look at what's happening around us. We see our government and we fear the president. We fear the governors. We fear the mayors more than we feel God. We fear God itself. And that's wrong. That's a wrong place to be. Because I'm pretty sure my Bible says that, that God allows these things to happen. So, so these Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they feared God more than they feared Nebuchadnezzar. And so when the Chaldeans come to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, hey, man, man, these, these Jews, man, they, they ain't worshiping your image. So he brings them forward. Bring them to me. He says in verse 14, is it true? And to his credit, Nebuchadnezzar um, did not just accept the accusations, right? You know, he made sure of it with a personal interview. And this is an even greater test for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because it is it's one thing to stand for God, right? But it's an even greater thing to stand your ground when asked, is it true? Is it true? Peter failed in this. When, when Jesus was arrested, he followed Jesus, and, and three times he was asked, is it true? Are you a follower of Jesus? Is it true? And three times he said no. Peter failed in this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not fail in this. Verse 15 says, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar would not tolerate losing for, uh, face on such an important occasion. This is a big deal, right? He gathered all his government officials. The entire nation knew about this, right? And so if he were to just allow them just to, to you know, not be punished, he couldn't do that because he was Nebuchadnezzar. His pride made him declare to all of Babylon, you shall have no other gods before me. His pride put himself in the place of God. And we can imagine the enormous pressure that was that was on these boys, you know, and I say boys because you know these were these Jewish boys. They were still they were still teenagers at this time, okay. So a lot of the text says you know Jewish men, but you know in the Jewish culture at that time, once you turned you know a certain age, you were considered a man, even though you were a teenager. All right, the disciples of Jesus, other than Peter, were all teenage boys. I don't care what the chosen shows you about the age of the men. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what, what Bible stories you read or you, you see on, on the TV movies. They were boys, right? But at that time, they were considered men. And these, so so thus, I, I don't know the exact age of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's just the door number. Let's, let's, say they, let's say they were 14, 15 years old, right? So imagine being a, a young teenage boy standing before the king of Babylon at that time, the great, the greatest nation on the planet, and you're still standing up for God. How many of, a, of, a, of our own students, our own teenagers in the youth group would be able to do that if they were put before um, a, a, a leader, right? They wouldn't. How many of us as grown adults would be brave enough to say, no, I'm going to stand for my God? Everything in front of them, the king, the furnace, uh, the music that was being played, the, 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 their, their fellow leaders, their, their competitors, all of it conspired them. To, 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 to try to convince them to compromise. Yet God was more real to them than any of those things. Now imagine being so in love with God, so in tune with the Holy Spirit, 
that no matter what is around you, no matter what you're facing, all you see is God. That's a place to be. doesn't matter your circumstance. All you see is God. And that's what I'm, I'm getting fired up, brothers and sisters. That is where we need to be. That is where we need to strive to be, that our focus is just on Jesus. He says, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Nebuchadnezzar thought that, that nothing, he thought nothing of insulting all the other gods in this statement. The only God he really believed in him and was himself. He only believed in himself, not even his own gods of Babylon, right? Because he didn't set up an image of the gods of Babylon. You know, he set up an image dedicated to himself. And what did my, my boys say? We have no reason to answer you. Like, I ain't got nothing to say. I don't know what to tell you. You know, we serve God. You know, they had no need to defend themselves. Their guilt in the matter was clear. Yes, they were violating the law, the law of, of, of the land, right? But but they they, regardless, they still would not bow down to this image. And that, what does that tell us? You know, like the law of the land was worship the image. They violated the law because the law of God is higher than the law of man. That's why it's so important for us, brothers and sisters, to know what's going on in the political sector of our country. It's important for us to know what laws are being passed, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell you what Pastor Jason's going to do. All right. Take with it what you want. The gospel, according to Jason says, if a law is passed that violates the holy law of God, I have a duty to obey God rather than man. Period. And that's what these boys did. They said, I, they, you know, yes, we will follow your laws, but this law violates the mandate of the Father. This law violates the Ten Commandments. This law violates what my God has said. And I am more fearful of my God than I am of you. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us, verse 17. And this, the Jewish boys, they, they showed a good um, understanding and appreciation of God's great power. In fact, they knew that God was able to save them from both the burning fiery furnace and from the wrath of Nebuchadnezzar. They knew God could do it. But verse 18, but if not, but if not, in this, they also show they had a good understanding and appreciation of submission to God. They, they knew God's power, but they also knew that they must do what was right, even if God did not do what they expected or hoped that he would do. See, we often complain about our rights and what is fair. And often it's better to make a stand and, and just endure our difficulty in leaving our fate in God's hands. Sometimes we just got to put our hands up and trust in God. They did not doubt God's ability, but they didn't. They also didn't presume to know God's will. And in this, they agreed with Job. In Job 13, verse 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. What was Job saying? Even if God kills me, I trust him. The boys were saying, even if the Lord allows us to be burnt up in this fiery furnace, we will still trust him. 
They recognize that God's plan might be different than their own desires. You know, I have my own desires and I pray that, that God fulfills them. But if he doesn't, I can't turn my back on him, right? Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so we may have a plan. We may, and it may be a good plan, but God may say, no, 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 no. This is where we're going to go. And we have to trust him. Let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It took great faith to say this. God brought them to this place of, of great faith by preparing them with tests in less dramatic areas. And these men, they stood firm when challenged to eat the impure foods, and they saw, saw God bless their obedience. And that gave them the courage to obey now when the stakes were much higher. A lot of times, you know, some of us, we think, you know, if I'm ever in this, this uh, harrowing situation, like, like these three boys, this is what I'm going to do. And that's a great thing to say. But if you're not being obedient in the little things, if you're not standing up for God, God in the little ways, you know, when people are questioning your faith, when people are questioning, why do you go to church on Sunday? Hey, how come you ain't coming hanging out no more? How come we ain't going to the club no more? How come we're not doing this? How come we're not doing that? And, and you come up with some other excuse other than, I am a servant of the whole, most high God. I do not live that life no more. God has set me apart, right? If you're not even willing to do that, how are you going to stand for God in the big things? See, these boys, they had already experienced God. They had experienced what God can do when you're obedient to him in the little ways. So now this is a huge situation. And now they have no, you know, and yes, I'm, I'm sure they were still, there was still a little, little fear in them, but they were still going to stand on God. See, many, you know, many, many fail in their obedience because they wait for something big to test their faith before they really start to obey God. Some fill their life with so many little compromises, yet they tell themselves that they will stand firm when it really matters. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego show us that the obedience to God in small things really matters. The statement from, from these Hebrew boys is also remarkable for what it does not have any hint of excuse. In a time of testing, it's easy, easy for them to make excuses of why they're doing this. They gave no excuse, you know? They said, we're not going to serve your gods, period, point blank, and a statement. And so Nebuchadnezzar was mad, full of fury. And, you know, he tells him to, to make, make the, the furnace even hotter, right? And, you know, and so seven times hotter. And, you know, they, the, the guys who grabbed them and throw them into the fire, they died from the heat, from the flames, right? But verse 24 says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And it's astonishing that anyone survived for even a, a moment inside the furnace when the others who were at the door had already perished. The Greek Septuagint, and the, the, the Septuagint is, a, is an early Greek version of the Jewish scripture, says that Nebuchadnezzar was caught when he heard the men singing praises in the furnace. We can imagine that the king had them cast into the furnace and didn't intend to look back, believing that they were dead instantly. But as he walked away with a satisfied look on his face, he was immediately stopped by the sound of singing coming from the furnace. From a safe distance from the heat, he saw four men walking in the midst of the fire. This reminds us of 
of Paul and Silas when they were in the Philippian uh, jail in Acts 16, singing the praises of God while they're in chains. I see four men loose, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar tells us who the fourth man was, the Son of God. This is an example of, of a Christophany in the Old Testament. Christophany is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. Jesus was literally with them in the, in the worst part of their trial. He was with them. And we don't know if, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that the Son of God was with them in their, in, in their trial. You know, we don't know that. Sometimes we, we are aware of Jesus' presence in our trials and sometimes not. But regardless, Jesus was with them. Whether they knew it or not, he was with them. Whether we realize it or not, he is with us. And we often find ourselves in the furnace. And though there are different kinds of furnaces, they serve similar purposes in our lives. There is a furnace that man prepares. There's a furnace that Satan prepares. There's a furnace that, that God prepares. And God will deliver us from, from us from it all. God can deliver us from a trial. Or he can immediately sustain us and strengthen us in a trial. Nebuchadnezzar also noticed that these men were free in the furnace. That the fire burnt only the ropes that were meant to bind them. And so he says in verse 26, servants of the most high God, before they were even out of the furnace, Nebuchadnezzar recognized that these men served the true God, the God most high. And these, it says these men whose bodies, the fire had no power. The trial had, had no power over them because they were thoroughly submitted to the power and the will of God. The smell of fire was not on them, and this demonstrates how complete their deliverance was. So Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 20, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's giving glory to God, but he recognized that this great God is not his God, because he said the God of the boys, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was, you know, he was, he was still the God of these boys. It says, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. In verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar asked, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now, he knew a great deal more about this God who just delivered the boys from his hands. See, Nebuchadnezzar now, he's ex he experienced some things of God. He knew that he's the God of the Hebrews when he said the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's the God who sends a savior when he, when he said, he sent his angel. He's a God of great power because Nebuchadnezzar said he delivered his servants. He's a God worthy of trust when he says who trusted in him, referencing the boys. He's the God worthy of full surrender. You know, he frustrated the king's, king's word and yielded their bodies. He's the God who demands exclusive allegiance when Nebuchadnezzar says, that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Nebuchadnezzar knew a lot about God, but he still didn't know God personally. He knew a lot about God. He experienced God right in front of his face, but he still did not know him personally. And how many of us, we know a whole lot about God. We know the Bible. We can quote scripture, 
but we still don't have a personal relationship with him. How many people in our church are like that? That's something we need, we need to look out for, brothers and sisters. Sometimes we got, we got to check our heart. You know, sometimes we allow a, 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 a biblical knowledge of God to, to distract us into thinking that we know who God is. Our biblical knowledge of God becomes our relationship with God. Right And no, God doesn't want you just to have a, a, a book knowledge of him. He wants you to have a true, real relationship with him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego surrounded themselves completely to God. Their body, soul, spirit. It was the kind of submission that Paul wrote about in Romans 12. Verse 1, he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This whole account is, is a powerful illustration of, of this principle. See, we see Satan trying to, to make the believer bow down to his idealized uh, image of what men and women should be, right? And we're seeing it all over the place. You know, what people think they should be, what the devil is saying, we do this, believe this, accept this. But Christians, my brothers and sisters, we must resist this with everything we have and pursue God's ideal for us. Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not conform to this world. Do not conform to this world. Let me say it again. Do not conform to this world. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they, they were facing death and a horrible death, but they did not conform to the world. They did not conform to the whims and to the will of a tyrant king. Nebuchadnezzar says in 29, therefore I'll make a decree. Now, the, the three Hebrew boys, they did not ask for Nebuchadnezzar to make a decree, or and they probably didn't, didn't even want him to, you know, because he was now he was now forcing the people to worship God. You know, and coerced worship isn't good, either towards an idol or towards the true God. There is no other God who can deliver like this. Seeing God at work in the life of his people was an effective testimony to Nebuchadnezzar. Seeing the way God works in each and every one of your lives is an effective testimony to the people around you. It's a testimony to your family who are not believers. It's a testimony to your boss, to your coworkers who are probably not believers. You know, it's a testimony to everyone you interact with. Listen, there are going to be times in our lives where our faith is going to be tested. Our faith is going to be tested. What are you going to stand on? Are you going to stand on the power and the will of God? Or are you going to cave to the pressures of this world? Are you just going to throw up your hands and say, it's okay. Live how you want to live. It's okay. No big deal. You know, it, it, you were born this way. It's okay. Are you going to, you know, are you going to say, no, that is not God's will for your life. And don't be afraid because it is fearful. It is scary sometimes to, to stand up for what we really believe in. It can be very scary. but. My God, I don't know about y'all's God, but my God is more powerful 
than any government entity. It's more powerful than any governor, any president, any law that this country, this land passes. My God is more powerful than that. And I would rather serve him and have an assurance of my place in eternity than to bow down. Bow down so that this temporary place that we live right now, this earth is temporary. We are not here forever. So I will not bow down just so I could be a little bit more comfortable for the next few years. So what are you standing on, brothers and sisters? We have these Jewish teenage boys who knew who their God was, had the promises of God, and knew that no matter what, they were going to be obedient to him. Whether God saved them or not, whether God delivered them or not, they were going to be obedient to him because he is more powerful than anything else around us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Father, I pray that that as we go about our days, our weeks, our months, Father, and we come across situations where we need to make a stand, Lord God, that we will stand on you. We will stand on your promises, Father. We will stand on your word, Lord God, that you will give us that extra level of, of, of strength, that extra level of, of determination that we need, Father, to stand up for you. Father, your word says that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us, Father. And even if we don't feel you, Lord, we know that you are there. Just as you were there in that fiery furnace with those three boys, Lord, we know that you're there for us through every trial, every tribulation, every circumstance we find ourselves in. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for that promise, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters as they go about their day, as they come across situations, Father, that they will stand on your word, Lord God. I pray that this word will just continue just to, 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 to feed them throughout the day, Lord God. Father, I pray that they would just meditate on it, Lord. Give them new wisdom. Give them new new, new, new insight into what you have for them, Lord. Father, I pray for them as we as we are continuing this Daniel fast. We're on day three, Lord God. Just, Father, I pray that as, as uh, our bodies are detoxing from the, from the sugar and the caffeine and all that stuff, Lord God, that our, our spiritual eyes will begin to lift, begin to open, Father, and we can just see you in a whole new light. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Love y'all. Keep at it. Keep your focus. I'll see you again next week. God bless. Hey, Pastor Jason, congratulations on your new building. Thank you. <laughs>